This is the Best Run Podcast. Brought to you by SAP. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest edition of the Best Run Podcast. And I'm here today talking about retail and how we can use innovation to make it great. So today we've got three guests on the show. We have uh, Sally Illingworth, who's the COO of Elegantly Blatant, Luke Stowe, who is the CEO of Alchemy Solutions, and Evan Mantis, who's our Executive General Manager for Retail and Consumer Services uh, at SAP. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Thanks for having us. No problem. What I'll do is I'll just get each of you to uh, introduce yourselves. So perhaps, Sally, you can go first. Thank you. Um, I do a lot of work in the communication space with a focus on the uh, the LinkedIn platform. Uh, but when it comes to retail, I spent about seven years focused on the food retail space um, in the franchising industry specifically. So I'm excited to be here. Luke? Yeah, Luke Stone. Uh, I have a technology background, but really enthusiastic about retail and have a passion for uh, the customer. So uh, 40 years in, um, in technology. Wow, okay. And Evan? Yeah, I've been at SAP for 14 years now, the past 10 in Australia. Uh, you know, I've been very lucky to work in the retail and consumer industry space for the majority of that time, including, as I mentioned earlier, having Luke as one of my customers at one stage. Um, and I currently lead, lead that sector uh, for SAP and ANZ. Great. Welcome, all of you. So today we're going to ch- discuss quite a few topics, uh, starting, of course, we can't ignore the current climate. So we'll touch on that and then move to how we can actually get some insights from data around enhancing the customer and the employee experience. Uh, looking at how we can also look uh, improve supply chains uh, to meet uh, customer expectations. And then uh, the omni-channel view in terms of how we can actually personalise that for the customer. So let's get started with uh, the current climate. So some people are probably bored of talking about the current climate, (laughs) but um, it's obviously an uncertain time. And uh, I'd like to really hear from all of you uh, regarding what you're hearing in terms of main concerns in the sector um, with the businesses you've been speaking to. So perhaps, um, Luke, you can start off. It's been a challenging time for everyone. Uh, one of the things uh, or thoughts that I'd like to talk about is the change management of uh, COVID on retailers and that it's, it's really changed um, the dynamic around relationships with customers and how those relationships and experiences uh, are changing based upon a world where communication for work and for play is now very much happening, uh, you know, minute by minute from any device, using any application in a very different way uh, than what it was pre-COVID. So I think that experience now for people and the way they shop and engage with retailers is an interesting prospect to talk about moving forward. Yeah, I think to that point, um, yeah, one of the biggest challenges is particularly for those who probably haven't um, adapted pre-COVID, one of the biggest challenges they've got at the moment is, you know, understanding how they can quickly sort of pivot their communication channels um, because if you think about a traditional retailer, if they didn't have the right systems and, say, tech solutions in place to be able to effectively communicate with their customers, they've been put in a very difficult position now where they've sort of lost that direct contact. Um, and that's threatening their business models drastically. 
Thanks, Sally. Evan, some thoughts from you? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I agree with everything that uh, Sally and Luke just, just said. And, you know, I think on the positive side, what we've seen is some great examples. And we'll talk through some of those as we go through the, the discussion today. But we've seen, you know, certain customers that are ready, uh, retailers that are ready, really come to the fore and provide great experiences across their customer base and the employee base. We've also seen the, just seen the importance of, um, you know, having a, supply chain that can deal with a crisis like this in terms of uh, you know not being single point sensitive and um, so I think we've seen a lot of really good examples and unfortunately on you know conversely we've seen some some retailers struggle because they haven't been digitally ready yeah yeah it's really quite a a dramatic sort of change for Mm -hmm. most office-based retailers who were consuming these sort of big spaces uh, and then found they could run their businesses from home with everyone being at home and realising they don't need that retail space anymore has been a huge change from a workforce experience. Uh, also, that's put pressure onto technology um, and onto supply chain. However, I think what, what it means is that most of these organisations, uh, particularly the big retailers, will come out of this and forever change their business models into something that's a little bit more, and I think some of use the word, they're able to pivot, that word's able to pivot. I think that flexibility is going to be there forever and they're going to have to be able to plan for uncertainty and be able to be flexible in the design of their operation and also their supply chain moving forward because the, the relationship with the customer now is, is completely different to what it was going in pre-COVID. So just moving on to uh, data, obviously, you know, understanding a customer, the data has plays a huge part in that. And businesses are currently overwhelmed by that data. How are they actually going to be able to ensure that they're getting the right insights um, that are actionable? Yeah, I think that's a really great topic. Um, you know, I was contemplating uh, yesterday that is loyalty and loyalty programs still important uh, post-COVID to retailers? And my thoughts are that it's, it's yes and no. Uh, what I think is now more important is having insights uh, about the experiences that, that customers are after rather than loyalty. And I think loyalty is part of the mix still, but really for me, I think uh, focusing on those services that uh, retailers can provide to customers, um, whether you're offering a cheap product or an expensive one, how, how are you structuring your uh, information systems and data so that you can get uh, the right information to the right people at the right time so they can increase the enjoyment of the experience that the customer's having with you. And so I think it becomes really about little data more than big data and uh, making sure that those insights are really meaningful uh, and they're delivered at the right time of that customer or, or employee journey. So uh, data and process are really going to go hand in hand here and um, technology will need to be designed and built around those journeys rather than, you know, built just to satisfy, um, you know, some type of supply chain or process that is being optimised. I think we need to think about that quite differently and think about it in terms of the experience. Sally, your view? I agree. And to Luke's point, um, I think, you know, certainly offline, Luke and I have had a discussion. He's referenced the um, importance of little data. And I do think that's incredibly important because from a customer experience and an employee experience perspective, it's really about understanding, yeah, the sort of what, when, why, how, and so forth. Um, Because I think 
when it comes to the conversation around data, you know, one, many retail businesses don't understand what volume of data they are actually collecting or they have access to. And then in the case where they apply sort of, you know, over-the-top technology solutions to, to start sort of organising that data, I think what happens is that they often overwhelm the process and so they, they overwhelm themselves in terms of how they're approaching using that data. So by being a little bit more, I suppose, proactive and targeted with what data they want to be using for the business based on what they um, can understand from it, they can remove that overwhelm and make sure that they're not sort of just looking at data for the sake of looking at data. So I think it's an interesting challenge. I think, you know, it's certainly one that retailers need to prioritise on the basis that data, um, you know, is an asset um, and it's just a matter, about, a matter of having the right management um, and organisation processes in place to use the data to the benefit of every single stakeholder. Uh, and I think that includes the relationship between suppliers and retailers as well. I think that's a really good point, Sally, just to jump in again. I, I think that customer and how the customer wants their data is also going to be really important moving forward. So we, you know, if you contemplate that um, uh, customers will uh, expect that uh, retailers can provide them some type of data feed as well about the way they're interacting and perhaps, you know, next best offer. I think those things will continue to be really strong sort of perspectives in, in a retailing relationship with customer. So mm-hmm. customer data is going to be really quite important yeah so in building that relationship and and in enhancing the experience Evan you must see a lot of good examples uh, in terms of uh, retailers do you want to share some of those uh, yeah absolutely I actually like the the idea of you know the retailers been able to pivot quickly and you know over the recent months I don't think we need to go beyond the two major grocery retailers who redirected the, you know their online marketplace to have a really positive social impact uh, by providing essentials boxes to the aged care sector. I mean, the really impressive thing was the speed with which they moved their capability to support this initiative and protect the most vulnerable in, in our society. And from a customer experience perspective, I don't think you can get too much better than that. But, you know, beyond that, we've also seen, you know, how some of uh, these same companies have, you know, start provide a temporary employment to the those industries most affected, such as airlines. And again, being able to really simply and, and rapidly onboard these individuals into their businesses. And who would have thought we would have had, you know, four Christmas peaks within the month of March for some of these large retailers. But the ability to really quickly onboard up to 20,000, 30,000 people um, is really impressive. Similarly, you know, we've seen some great examples of, of companies also, you know, using uh, robust HR solutions such as success, such as success factors, um, to been really quickly been able to gain insight on, as an example, staff leave balances, which have allowed them to reduce liabilities through compulsory leave being taken instead of laying staff off, and the impact that that has on staff morale moving forward is can't be underestimated. Um, and then you know even simple initiatives that a lot of impacted. Customers have had, you know, such, such as leveraging solutions um, like DocuSign, so staff could sign documentation relating relating to JobSeeker uh, remotely instead of coming into the office to physically sign a document. You know, seriously enhances that employee engagement and and makes employees feel that their employer has their back. Yeah, great examples, Evan. You know, your, your point around uh, 
success factors, I think is a really great one. Having those type of capabilities uh, to be able to have really good process and have a reliable system that can provide that type of flexibility with workforce planning, I think is um, going to be really key moving forward for the type of um, arrangements that are going to be in place for uh, retailers moving forward and being flexible uh, and being able to plan and uh, almost scenario plan through different types of mm. uh, scenarios and, and what would that look like in terms of our employee, uh, what, what would that mean in terms of our employee arrangements and workforce management moving forward. I think um, those type of reliable systems are going to become much more critical um, than trying to you know, band-aid things together and, and just do with what you've got. I think that's going to be quickly uh, realise that that's not going to be good enough in uh, in a world where you need that um, complete flexibility to, to pivot and to change quickly. Yeah, and I think um, to that point about having a sort of Band-Aid solution, yeah, it's going to be more important than ever that there's a drastic change at a leadership level so that as they work to maybe, you know, revitalise some processes for both customer and, and uh, employee, that they're very much embracing a learn-as-you-go approach and they have that mindset flexibility and operational um, agility to be able to change and go, maybe this solution isn't working. So I think one of the biggest challenges at a leadership level is that it's easy to go and procure a solution um, and then just implement it. And based on the amount of time that's invested in the procurement process, there's sort of a a bit of attachment to that solution working. Um, But in the case that something's not working, and that's where, you know, being able to qualify and quantify the performance of something is incredibly important. So that requires a change in leadership thinking. Yeah. So the other, the other area is really supply chain where we've seen quite a lot of um, impact. So, you know, a lot of changes there, a lot of pressures in terms of increased in demand in some of the retail sectors, um, probably unprecedented except for perhaps, you know, around Christmas time. And then you've also got areas where you can't actually function as you usually would in the supply chain just because of uh, COVID requirements. So give us some insights, um, perhaps uh, Luke, in terms of what you think retailers really need to think about um, to meet customer expectations in a supply chain moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Look, you know, I'm really excited about this sort of topic. So, you know, probably a good topic uh, to get onto because we should be excited about retailing moving forward because this is going to be quite a different experience for customers now moving forward. You know, supply chain to me now is going to be more about the experience. And so it has to be. It can't just be about moving goods around and putting it on a shelf and thinking that that's the job done. That's not going to cut it. What needs to be um, uh, included in supply chain now is how do we uh, be part of the value chain of delivery and experience Mm. for customers? And so that's going to uh, really... Uh, change the way that uh, businesses are thinking about their supply chain and their distribution and delivery to customers. Um, It's going to be much more about the experience. They're going to need much more data uh, that is that little data to to the supply chain uh, resources to ensure that they are able to pick up on that experience requirement from a customer and make sure that they're delivering to it. And that's going to be at multiple touch points, whether it be a warehouse call direct, um, some type of digital communication, tracking, it's on the way and we're, and we're looking forward to delivering it to you 
but we've got more that we give you and, and this is how we're going to do it. Those type of considerations are going to be quite exciting. You know, I'm, mm. I'm quite um, energetic about it. You can probably tell I've picked <laughs> up on the enthusiasm of my conversation because I think that this part of retailing is the part that will really rapidly change. And we're going to see, you know, many more uh, innovations coming mm. to this space. And, and I, I think small and artesian type businesses that are providing product and services that are sort of crafted around an experience are going to be, um, it's going to happen in the retail space and I'm quite excited by it. And I actually think that what will happen because of this is that everyone will start to be a retailer, which is quite uh, an interesting prospect in itself. Mm. Yeah, I think to that point, it's um, you know interesting to consider that thanks to technology-enabled globalisation, customers have access to so much information. They can access global supply chains. So from a retail standpoint, retailers need to ensure that they're doing their best to manage their supply chain um, and use solutions that are going to have the customer top of mind because in the case where they don't, uh, customers now have access to so many different alternatives. Um, so yeah, that, that requires a major change in how the supply chain is being managed. Yeah, and probably looking also, you know, more domestically in terms of uh, speed of supply and also, you know, not so much dependent on a global network because uh, we've seen um, how that can falter a little bit when we have pressure put on it. Um, Evan, have you actually um, been talking to customers about their challenges in the retail supply chain? What what have you heard from them in terms of what are their challenges been by the recent crisis? You know, over the past few years, we've seen an increased focus um, on re- retailers paying paying um, well, an increased ensuring that they have ethical supply chains. So, firstly, you know, things like the Modern Slavery Act um, and and reporting that's coming in around that, you know, has played a significant role. Um, you know, in the same breath, sustainability, you know, and the ability to track how products are made and where they, where they are sourced and has become increasingly important to consumers. And it's top of mind of senior executives uh, within, you know, major retail brands. And what the current crisis has highlighted is the importance of the de-risking of your supply chain. So, you know, we saw that in this in the fashion industry as early as January where, you know, shipments from China started being delayed you know, and that had an immediate impact on local wholesalers and, and their customers. One of the options that we've seen um, some of our customers, you know, leverage has been the Ariba network, which allows buyers and sellers to globally to connect, you know, and find new markets and suppliers. Now, this has been successful as, as an example. I mean, for any, anyone uh, acquiring, you know, any form of PPE, which isn't um, restricted to the healthcare sector, but has actually been very real to retailers, um, in Australia, especially those with large and critical distribution centres and networks. But I, I firmly hope and believe that there'll be an increased focus on local manufacturing move, moving forward, and hopefully this will be supported by the government. It'll support growth and diversification in the Australian economy. But, you know, as we move into winter, personally, I think it would be very sad if, you know, anyone in Australia would consider buying a pair of Ugg boots that were, that were made anywhere than in Australia. But, you know, the, the fact is that there's always an economic reality to any purchase. So that'll always be a factor. So it's incumbent on any local manufacturers uh, or, you know, artisans, as Luke, Luke was talking about, uh, you know, to become more creative around new business models. For example, how they can you know, share costs, potentially utilizing common IT systems or machinery or shared warehousing uh, to counterbalance 
cheaper labor costs on imported goods. The reliance on, in certain sectors on imports has, been, has shown itself to be extremely risky to, to, business, to local retailers if that's their only option. Local manufacturing not only de-risks that, but also enhances the surety of you know, that ethical and sustainable supply chain that, that I discussed earlier. But nothing like a crisis to focus the mind and bolster creativity and innovation. Um, Sally and Luke, we might move on to our next topic on omnichannel. Did you have any other comments on supply chain before we do that? No, I think I think that was uh, we've we've worked our way through that and, and moving to omnichannel. I think um, you know this is a a really fascinating space as well. I think you know the importance of being able to have you know your back end systems connected to your digital touch points and being able to leverage that capability into a customer experience is, is going to be really quite critical across those channels you know look i think i think we all know that the tipping point for customers in you know being able to use a device an application you know social media app uh, uh, whatever it may be zoom um any of those sort of modern day type of communication tools and collaboration tools, I think we're going to start to see that those uh, points are going to be much more used as part of the channel mix. So omni-channel um, is a, a great way of describing it. Uh, I think it's just like, uh, you know, any anywhere, anytime, any device, any app, uh, communication and engagement. And organisations need to be able to work with that and be able to you know, reliably get, get uh, back-end systems that have got really great capability and, and really end-to-end um, applications like SAP provides and be able to leverage that in digital ways and in, um, in ways across data networks and, you know, the emergence of 5G. All of this is just going to put more convergence into the experience for customers. And as people... Because of what we have just experienced with COVID, we are ready for it. In mm. fact, we've been changed <laughs> forever that that's now going to be the expectation we have. And if it's not met, we will quickly move on to something else. Yeah, I think one of the um, sort of extensions to that conversation, to your point, Luke, is that um, you know one of the ongoing challenges for retailers, um, and I think it's even more of a challenge now when their business models of fundamentally in many cases being threatened by what's happened. But one of the ongoing challenges from an omni-channel perspective is pricing for customers um, because I think understanding the difference in the unit economics for offering something online versus offline um, and ensuring that as a retailer you're remaining informed and then competitive in terms of how you're offering, you know, products to customers. Um, I think that's going to be incredibly important moving forward and something that needs to be a major priority, particularly given the, yeah, the threat to the current business model for many retailers. So it's not simply a matter of taking the shirt that you sell in store and putting it online at the same price uh, because I think customers are more informed than they've ever been before. And that comes down to communication and their, their ability to access information at scale. So uh, I think there's going to need to be an appreciation for the transparency there around the different unit economics for offering something in-store versus online. Uh, and that's a pricing strategy, um, you know, approach that needs to be embraced by retailers to ensure that they're giving themselves the best opportunity to succeed as they grow out their omni-channel strategy. Just to, just to pick up on that before we move off that topic, like just an example I think about is 
car lots, car yards, uh, where you go, uh, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday to scroll around and look at all the different cars and options. And we love a great negotiation in Australia. So we love going and purchasing a car and having a negotiation with the salesperson that says, I, you know, I want to knock $5,000 off this car, this brand new car you're trying to sell me. And that sort of became just part of the process and an expectation that mm. you would negotiate prices in mm. cars. Uh, what's happening now is uh, cars are selling online. Mm. And you know, they've got a recommended retail price, mm. it's fixed. There's no negotiation. It is the price of the car, just like you buy a belt or a bag, or you know some um, lemon-flavored lip gloss online. You can now buy a car for a recommended retail price. So it's so saying that unit economics and understanding the dynamic and change mm. of the experience of the customer now now buying a car online and realizing I'm not going to get to negotiate on the price of this vehicle. That's changed that um, relationship and experience forever. Yeah, you can probably still go to a car yard, but why would you? In these days, you just buy it online and get it delivered and you get all the other services with it. Sally, would you be able to sort of highlight who you think is doing it well? Who's doing an omni-channel experience well for their customers? Look, from my perspective, I'd say it's broader than omni-channel, but um, I've always been fascinated in uh, Kogan's approach to business because I think he's very much approached it, not from a traditional standpoint, he's sort of done it the reverse. And I think as a result, uh, Rosalind Kogan very much has a large appreciation for how the world's been working to change and how it is drastically changing. And as a result, he's in a very strong position to understand things like unit economics when it comes to omnichannel. Um, and that's been sort of displayed in his efforts to start with online, if you like, and then work into the traditional retail space. Um, yeah. So I'd certainly say that he's someone to sort of keep an eye on um, and there's certainly a lot of learnings uh, that retailers can take from his approach to business in the retail industry. Evan, your viewpoint please on Omnichannel? Yeah, well, I mean, I really like that that Kogan example. You know, the, the other one, I mean, if you look at a company like Bunnings, from what I've seen, you know, they, they're a great example of a company that embarked on an e-commerce strategy of, over the past 12 months. Um, you know, which surprised many at the time, but it's held them in really good stead over the past few months as that part of their business has grown exponentially. Things like providing, you know, a consistent experience across all your channels is, is really important. Talking about Bunnings and then previously we spoke about Woolworths and the essentials box. It's interesting that uh, the two of them have come out of this crisis as two of Australia's most trusted brands. Mm. So, you know, much of the sentiment will have come from those great experiences that they provided their customers through multiple touch points. Although we flattened the curve in Australia, this crisis isn't over. So, um, you know, social distancing remains in place and it means the digital platforms remain a critical channel, you know, whether that be online home delivery, click and collect, et cetera. So I strongly believe that those retailers who can provide their customers with choice and an optimized and enhanced digital experience you know, coupled with the predictable supply chain, because you need to be able to actually satisfy, you know, the uh, and, and deliver on your promises, uh, you know, will be the ones that will enjoy enhanced growth moving forward beyond this crisis. Yeah, thanks, Evan. So we're actually coming to the end of our chat. Uh, do any of you have any final thoughts you'd like to share, Luke? Oh, just that I, I'm really excited about what the future holds for retailing. And um, I think uh, we're going to see many other industries starting to look to retailers, you know, like Kogan and look at that experience uh, that is being provided and say, how do I build better relationships with my, um, with my customers? How do I leverage some of those 
that knowledge and experience for my own business and and how do I make, uh, you know, even in Sully have said it and just repeating it, I think how do I make those experiences good for our customers and our employees uh, moving forward? And uh, I think because of COVID, we are in a great space to just uh, take off and leverage all the capabilities that we, we're going to have. So, um, you know, exciting times ahead for retailing. Sally, hiding thoughts? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, uh, a balanced approach to management is going to be one of the most critical things, uh, you know, to Luke's point, in order to survive, if you like, um, and then grow um, and perform well on the other side of this, I think uh, a balanced approach to management is going to be one of the most important things and appreciating the large relationship and sensitive relationship between, you know, a management approach to costs and investments and then the experience for the customer and the employee. Um, and I suppose there's a bit of an example to that. I think during this time in particular, uh, retail business models, tr- particularly the traditional ones, have largely been threatened. So I think it's important that from a management standpoint, ad hoc decisions aren't made just in the interest of a balance sheet and the long-term ramifications are largely considered um, so that that a balanced um, decision-making approach is embraced all round to ensure that they're giving themselves the best opportunity to succeed. And finally, Evan. Sally said it at the start, um, you know, the recent events have shown the importance of being digitally ready. Um, with the right strategies i've got no doubt that we'll see that those re- retailers that are investing in the right technologies and view technology as an ab- as an enabler uh, will go from strength to strength and conversely those who don't uh, could face an uncertain future yeah. well thanks guys that, that was really good and really happy to hear all of your insights uh, for people listening, if you'd like to hear more insights about what's happening in retail, please tune into uh, a recent event that we ran at SAP called SAP Adaptive Strategies in a Changed World. You can just Google that and um, you can skip through to retail. It's only an hour, so it um, won't take up too much of your time. Thank you very much for listening. Good afternoon and good morning from wherever you are from the Best Run Podcast. Thanks, Roshenka. Thank you. Thanks, Roshenka and Luke and Sammy. Thanks, Thanks Evan. You've been listening to the Best Run Podcast, brought to you by SAP.